Please don't suck. Please don't suck. Please don't suck. Maybe Phantom Menace was just a blip. Star Wars is the jam. Hello and welcome to The Quorum. I'm Brian. I'm Michelle. And this is Burn. We're back. And Michelle, what is it? It's a fracking podcast. Yes, it's a fracking pod. It's been a fracking long time. Yeah, it has. Too long. It's Too been, long. I guess I could go back and look at some of the uh, the old episodes and see when we last recorded, but um, it has been several years. Several years. I don't even remember what the last podcast was I did. Uh, I think it was our Avengers podcast. Which is very funny because I'm watching the Avengers tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and, not, and not the most recent crappy one, but the first one. Wait a minute. You thought the most recent one was crappy? Yeah, see, we should have we should have had a podcast about that. <laughs> There's clear we're way behind. Clearly, yes, we are. Yeah, we're way behind. Well, the uh, last time the last time I did podcast was I think the quorum, and it just shows there's been a dearth of great content, a, a dearth of great things to talk about. Honestly, yeah, there's been a lot of shows that tried to come along and maybe they lasted a season, maybe maybe two, but by and large, nothing really has stuck. Now I did catch the first episode of The Expanse. I know you had said uh, that I needed to check that out. Oh, it's so good. So good. So that, I think, uh, is something that I will definitely invest time in. And since they're coming back for another season, right? So I think we could maybe hop on that. And, I'd uh, be up for that. I've only seen one episode, but it looked pretty good. You guys all need, you have a lot of catching up to do. It's really good. It really, I, I, there's a whole series of books as well, and it makes me want to go read all of the books because it seems like there's a very kind of a rich universe there to dive into. And it seems like the production, much the way The Walking Dead follows but keeps fresh the comic book series, is similarly following the books of The Expanse. Uh, but the, the story is, is great, and you really get a sense that this is, it's one of those rare science fiction stories you hear that doesn't feel so much like fantasy, but really feels like this really could be a potential future for Earth. Now, are there angels? Does Katie Sackhoff appear anywhere in the show? Oh, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> That'll be the last episode. There's save, no- it, save it for the last episode. I, Don't no, start. I'm, I'm Dude, I can't believe you're going, can't believe you're going there. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, the expanse is um, definitely on the radar. I'm looking forward to checking it out. I, I, from what I saw, I was uh, pleased. It was looked good. It does make me wonder since you mentioned uh, other franchises that have been doing uh, have been adapted from books. Uh, obviously, the big one that's coming up very soon is uh, Game of Thrones. It now having caught up to the novels and now passing them. Uh, Michelle, have you read any of the, how, how far have you read or if at all? Into the- I've read up to book, I think I finished book four. Okay, that's, that's, that's like me, yeah. And I, I sort of tried to start listening to book five and I know book five doesn't deal a lot with the characters that we're used to, the characters that we've come to, you know, know. Right. So I kind of just stopped. Mm-hmm. Book five. But, you know, then life happened dragons. and I just don't ever have time to listen to audiobooks anymore. So, 
Book five is Dance with Dragons. Yes, I haven't read that one. And yeah, I read that year. Yeah, so um, it'll be interesting to see what happens there because to this point they have followed, not obviously exactly, but very closely to what the books have. Whereas I'd say Walking Dead has diverged more and sometimes kind of distinct in just large ways. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I kind of hope that what they do is have it so that they just diverge enough so that they there actually is similar but different stories happening. For all the people that have been reading the books for a long time, I think they've been patient and they, uh, they've enjoyed the, the TV series, but I think they would probably prefer the series to be resolved in the books. Well, it will one way or another, but um, I think in their minds that the, the true version is, is the, the novel. So, I, I have a feeling that George R. R. Martin is going to save something for the books to make the books relevant and fresh for people who are reading them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, bu- the, the show has deviated from the books in notable ways. Uh, Rob Stark's storyline mm. in books one and two, mm. yeah. book, book two primarily, was relatively insignificant, actually. Um, I, rem- I forgot where I had read this, but someone had actually counted the number of lines of dialogue that Rob Stark had in the books. Mm. And while his character is talked about a lot, he himself, the character, doesn't say a lot in the books. But in the show, he's a central character from a dialogue and action perspective. Hmm. And so they, they do follow all the major plot points, but allow the characters to kind of, I think, develop more fully through the show. I'm always very intrigued by how you adapt books. Mm-hmm. Like one of the, the best, one of the best director tracks you can listen to on a DVD is on Lord of the Rings and listening to the writers talk about how they had to restructure the movies, how they had to um, change parts of the books just to make the movie work, mm-hmm. just to, to suit the medium itself. But Game of Thrones, that's a whole other podcast, dude. Yeah, like, <laughs> I know, I know. Isn't everything a whole other podcast? It truly is. <laughs> yep, uh, a little late to get on that one. But uh, if you are just uh, stumbling onto this podcast and you're wondering what the heck uh, is a quorum, the quorum, it is a podcast about sci-fi TV shows, movies, books. It started as it started as is putting it lightly. We we did almost 100 episodes of talking about the Battlestar Galactica TV series, and that was our initial launching point. Was uh, the Galactica Quorum? Since that show is long since over, and sadly hasn't really been doing much of anything since. Uh, but we have just been looking for other stuff to talk about since then. And uh, if you'd like to follow us on the internet, you can look for us. used to be on our website, which was galacticacorum.com or geekquorum.com. Uh, but nowadays, I guess everything is Facebook. So if you want to go to Facebook and you look up Galactica Quorum or Geek Quorum, we're going to be on there. And uh, I guess we still have a Twitter account. <laughs> I, uh, I, I post maybe once a year to something on there. but uh, just, just, so, just so they don't delete your account. Yeah. And uh, we just stay on top of things, Brian. Yeah, yep. And we still have a voicemail. If you want to dial that in, that's 301-358-5175. And of course, our email, which is never going away because it's a it's a Gmail account, and that is gquorum at gmail.com. Spelling of that is G Q U 
O-R-U-M. So I guess we should get to what our uh, main topic is, and that is, I was going to say uh, Batman versus Superman, but no, it's not. No, no. We're not going to podcast about that, are we? No. I, have, <laughs> I, I guess, okay, so we're not at our main topic yet. So on a scale of one to 10, how interested are you in Batman versus Superman? Or Superman versus Batman. Which one is it? I don't even know. I, that tells you right away how, how much my antenna are up for this. Is it bad that zero is my answer? Uh, no. Yeah, I really, I, I, I'm sorry. I can't jump on board with Ben Affleck. I really can't. I just can't do it. <laughs> I don't blame you. I, I, just, I, I am remarkably unenthused as well, but like a moth to a flame, I... I somehow find myself going to every single comic book movie that gets produced, <laughs> no matter what. And so there is a small part of me, a part of me I'm not proud of, that is looking forward to it. But it's not a movie that occupies – I don't daydream about it mm-hmm. the way I do about some. Like Michelle said, I, it's not so much I, I don't like Ben Affleck. I think he's fine. Obviously, there's some – animosity towards him for some reason but i think part of it is i'm very happy or one was very happy with the christopher nolan batman trilogy i liked the tone of that i like christian bale in it and for it to reset pretty quickly and have a batman that looks i don't know it just doesn't seem as gritty and real it seems it's taking a step not towards camp necessarily but just it's not what i am looking for and I agree. Uh, and I, I I wasn't on board really with the whole Superman reboot either. So, and third and probably the biggest issue for me is I'm just not a fan of these everybody gets angry at everybody else type of movies. Even in uh, this summer, the Captain America movie coming up, the Civil War movie. Nah. Yeah, I was about to mention that because everybody's going around talking about it now, and I don't know if I like the idea of. The captain being against everybody. Isn't that just a big tease? Do you really think, I mean, I don't, I don't know really anything other than what I see in the trailer. I just wonder, are they, is it just a big uh, misdirection? Wouldn't the story always be about how people come together at the end and everyone is happy and we work together better as a team? Well, I suspect, yes, it will end up that way. I don't know, because again, this is somewhat derived from a comic book series called Civil War uh, that had similar backstory of there being some sort of legislation or the government was angry about superheroes causing a lot of damage or being too powerful and they wanted to legislate and some superheroes ended up on one side and some are on the other side and ended up fighting and and comic books good guys end up tussling with other good guys like every other episode or every other issue it happens all the time it's just so common it doesn't matter but in the movies i just never been a fan i'm like just don't want to see that i just want to see the bad guys fighting the good guys i just it's just something about it that just rubs me wrong and this might be the first one i actually pass on which captain american movies have been my favorites among some of the marvel movies well i've really liked i really like deadpool and i like jessica jones on netflix i haven't I liked, seen I either like, yet oh i know I, wow <laughs> michelle Ooh. i know <laughs> You do have kids now. <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely have kids. Um, I sit at home all day and I watch the children. I watch, you know, Doc McStuffins. <laughs> Maybe we well, should I, do a podcast I, about that. We should. We should have I, a geek parents podcast. 
No, I love I love the those two specifically because they're I, you know I guess they're the anti hero superhero movie, mm-hmm. but it really is more about creating a universe that takes place inside of the Marvel universe rather than making the um, a movie or a show about kind of one of the kind of the, the principal iconic characters that we're all so familiar with. Now Deadpool I would say perhaps is a slight exception to that because he's the principal character. But Jessica Jones, what I really like about that show is that she's not a superhero in the traditional sense. She doesn't wear spandex or a costume. And there's just a great tone to it. It's it's very refreshing because I am kind of getting tired of the very comic book nature of superhero movies. And I maybe that's sacrilege to say that. But yeah, yeah I, that's not. I think going back to you know what I didn't like, uh, and we're we're already on such a tangent. <laughs> we haven't got to our topic yet. But the thing with the Marvel movies that I'm wary of at this point is that it, they started very grounded, and it was it was simple. There was Iron Man, and there was Captain America and they had powers, but they were things you could somewhat relate to. And things have gotten so just off the wall at this point. Like Scarlet Witch, I don't know. She does like these little yoga moves with her hands and like people like fall in love or have weird visions or they, she can do almost, I don't know. I know it's a a fantasy. It's all make believe, but within the universe that they kind of set up, I think it's just starting to to lose the plot a little bit. If you read the the comic books themselves, oh, that's fine. It's it's all you can have as much magical craziness as you want. But I think when they first started this whole cinematic universe, they were very deliberate and making things so that people could associate with them and not get a little bit too wigged out about things being too fantastic. And and slowly they they did bring things in so that they got to the point now where things are pretty fantastic and, you know, they have Dr. Strange coming up and things like that. And that's probably what they intended all along. But I'm just saying for me, when you got everyone having these weird magical powers, it's, I don't, it just becomes, I don't know, it, it's harder to tell a cinematic story. Comic book story is easy. So you're saying you like the superheroes that started off sort of as an everyday kind of Joe Schmo and got radioactive and took whatever and that's what turned him into a superhero and um that's why you're saying they're they're relatable because they started off as just being a regular person that ended up or that their powers are just mainly based in some somewhat pseudoscientific explanation right so they're not born with these mystical powers that you know thor is a stretch because he's got really but they you know he's an alien so that we can kind of get but again quicksilver your stand, so your standards for what you call a stretch. <laughs> I know. Again, we've got <laughs> it's very we thin. Have, we have scales within scales here. We've got you know the geek scale, and then there's like the, the geek super scale of of what is uh, fantastic. Um, it does seem like the TV series are more grounded in I want I want to say reality, but that's the only word I can pull right now is because you've got like Daredevil, you know those Agents of Shield, Agents of Shield. Now obviously Agents deals with some of the fallout from some of the, the stuff that happens with the Avengers and some of those situations are again fantastic but you know Daredevil is pretty much just a not super powered person in the sense that like you can leap you know buildings and and stuff like that and so I don't know it's it's interesting how the, there's like a division that's uh, called budgets <laughs> exactly <laughs> special effects budgets and the lack thereof right 
Okay, but let's now shift to uh, something that had no limit on budgets, and that is Star Wars The Force Awakens. Let's take a step back, if we will, and describe our own categorizations of fandom. So I saw Star Wars when I was in... And of course, my son always asked me, like, why do you call it Star Wars? And I'm like, because episode four, Star Wars. I'm like, because Star Wars is Star Wars. That's, that was the name of the movie. That is the movie. It's not A New Hope. It's, it's Star Wars. So I saw Star Wars in first grade. was just a rabid fan. The prequels came out, saw episode one the first day, exited the theater feeling broken. <laughs> and... <laughs> It was a traumatic experience, and uh, that was the last movie I had seen uh, in the theater um, up until this this one, Star Wars movie. You skipped Attack of the Clones and Revenge? Yes, I did. I ended up seeing parts of them on either online or whatever, but yeah. Wow. Yep. Wait, are you saying you've never seen them? I have seen parts of them. I don't, I've never watched them all in one sit. Wow. You are made of, you are made of stern stuff, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you're missing out on some really good whining. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I, if I patch together everything I've seen, I've I've seen them. Um, and maybe the second one, probably I, I know I've seen enough of that. the The third one, there might be a scene here or there that I haven't seen. But. Well, the fact that they a fan had you know created the Phantom Edit, mm-hmm. which takes all three movies and edits the whole all three movies which i think is close to 6 let's see 5 seven and a half hours yeah cut it seven and a half hours down to 2 hours yeah the fact that you can do that show probably supports the statement brian that you you could watch pieces here and there and qualify as having seen all of it yeah we've in the past talked about just in a side way of like things that were wrong with the prequels and we won't go into that now so Michelle, uh, yeah. you you're one of the biggest Star Wars fans that I know. Oh, really? Awesome. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you had a stand-up Anakin uh, <laughs> cardboard guy in your uh, office back at work. I do love me some Star Wars. I can't help it. I would be surprised if it wasn't. Would you say that's your favorite sci-fi franchise? Oh yeah, of yeah. course, above and beyond everything else. I mean, the universe is so vast that you can do so much with it. I love it. And I'm much younger, like I'm younger than you, not by much, but I'm younger than you. So when I saw Star Wars, it was probably already on VHS tape. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was into it since I was really little, which is odd for girls. Mm -hmm. I guess people say that girls don't really get into sci-fi when they're kids, but I did. And I've seen all the movies multiple, multiple times, even the prequels. Mm Mm-hmm. There's something about the prequels that, yes, they're not the greatest thing in the world, but I still like them. I like where they were going and what they were trying to show. They didn't succeed very well at it, but episode three, I enjoyed the descent into darkness. So that's why I had the Anakin standee, (laughs) (laughs) because it was right. The picture for the standee is right when he's starting to come bad and evil and starting to turn into Darth Vader and it's it's such a a good moment mm-hmm. where you see someone so confused and grappling with who they want to be and who they don't understand who they are and I just really loved that 
And I know other people were like, whatever, it sucked, it was stupid, but that's how much a fan I am. Mm-hmm. Like I see the I see where they were trying to go with it. And I appreciate that. And you like the games and other supplemental stuff too, right? Oh yeah, I mean I was playing Battlefront earlier today. I love that game. Oh, I love that game. <laughs> I'm so, so obsessed. I'm so horrible at it, it's not even funny. <laughs> Star Wars is, you know, Star Wars is my jam. (laughs) Okay, and so, Byrne, what is your background with Star Wars? I think I am um, more on the Michelle end of the spectrum, right? I think Star Wars was among the first movies I saw in a theater. I remember seeing Empire Strikes Back in kindergarten, and I remember every, every parent taking their kid to see it, and then me tagging along with all of my friends, and I think I saw it like seven times. I mean, that was an age where one's coolness on the playground was directly proportional to the number of times you had seen Empire Strikes Back. (laughs) And every game you played on the playground was some kind of Star Wars Mm make-believe. So immersed in it from a very young age. You know, my, my mom took me out of school to see Return of the Jedi. And I remember the look on my friend's faces as the teacher, like, opened up the door and said, Burn, your mom is here. And all my friends knew I was going to see Empire. My dad had been waiting in line all day long. Yeah, I've I've been obsessed since a very young age. And um, I read all the books, like the Timothy Bazan books, and all the books started coming out. At some point, I stopped reading all the novels Mm -hmm. um, because after a while, there were just too many. Mm -hmm. And they were just too pulpy. But I read like the first, you know, 10 or 15 books that came out that George Lucas authorized. And many of them were horrible, but I read them anyway. I spent the night to get tickets for Phantom Menace, and then I spent the night again to see it at the Coronet in San Francisco, which was uh, where Star Wars premiered originally. It was uh, George Lucas, one of George Lucas's favorite theaters in, in, in uh, the Bay Area. I remember walking out of there, you know, Brian, you walked out and you what – what was the word you used? You said you felt um, – Well, the exact thing that happened was – the movie ended, and I turned to my then-girlfriend at the time and said, that was so bad, I've got to get out of here. And I just <laughs> I just went for the exit, and I, I had like this just really visceral negative reaction that it was almost psychological, that it was like I was... Just because I'd had, for long years, I'd had... I literally had dreams of when the next Star Wars movie is going to come out, and often they were bad in my dreams, and I was like, no, don't let that happen. And um, I just didn't want it to be so, and it... it 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 was. <laughs> well, I you you were much more resolved because I I walked out and I was in deep denial. I saw I saw Phantom Menace seven six or seven times in the theater, and it wasn't until the sixth or seventh time when I finally admitted to myself that that was a really really bad movie. <laughs> it, it was a very it was a very cathartic moment for me. I have to admit, um, and I remember every time uh, Attack of the Clones came out, and then I was just like, okay. Maybe Phantom Menace was just a blip. Maybe, maybe Attack of the Clones will be good. And I saw Attack of the Clones and I walked out of the theater in denial once more saying, God, that, I just don't think that was really good. Maybe I need to see it again. Maybe, maybe there was some nuance I missed. And I saw it again and again. And I'm like, nope, it really is a bad movie. And then again, the same story for Revenge. I was just like, okay, this is the last one. Maybe he's going to pull it all together and it's going to make new sense and we'll, it'll, it'll cast the, the first two movies in a new light. No, it was just bad. But I enjoy, like Michelle, like it's Star Wars. Like 
the snap hiss of a lightsaber and my blood gets mm-hmm. all excited and I'm, I'm like, a, like a little boy again. Yeah. Um, but I do have to say that the, the prequels did kind of kill a lot of the, a lot of the, um, the magic for the, of the franchise for me. Yeah. So coming up to this movie then, after hearing that uh, it was sold to Disney and they were going to be making movies and a series of movies, what was your level of enthusiasm, expectation? For me, I had immediately, because Lucas was not involved, I was immediately had more enthusiasm and encouragement that it would be more than just an improvement, but actually something that, that would restart the franchise and, and make and bring people back. How about you? Did you feel like, yes, this will be something I could look into? Or were you skeptical? Or how much were you willing to uh, invest? So for me, I think my first gut reaction was like, oh, please don't suck. Please don't suck. Please don't suck. And then when I heard that they were rebooting the universe as far as totally throwing out the extended universe, which I had just grown to really love. I got upset again because there were some things in the extended universe that just, that worked, that worked for me. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to see that explored in a movie form. Mm-hmm. And then they were saying, no, we're not going to do that. We're not even going to touch anything that Timothy Zahn wrote. We're not even going to go there. You know, none of that happened. And I was and I'm still disappointed because there's some content within that universe that just is so good. We don't know if they've completely turned their back yeah, on... There the- were little things, like, well, you know, as we get into... I mean, I know a lot of people haven't read the books, but, you know, Han and Leia's kids, and I say kids because there were kids. Right. I twins, mean... yeah. Well, twins and another child. Mm. And they are fantastic. There's great stories that go along with them and I'm totally upset they got rid of them. But <laughs> I kept no, saying to myself that if I ever had a twin boy and girl, I would name them after those characters. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm disappointed that that was thrown out the window for the most part. But again, I was hopeful that it would be good. I promised myself that I wouldn't get as excited about this movie. I was like, shame on, you know, fool me once kind of. I was like, with Phantom Menace, I was just so obsessed with its approach, with uh, the lead up to it, that I think I just convinced myself, hence my denial, that it was going to be a good movie. And so with, with Force Awakens, I was like, I'm not going to let myself do that again. But I couldn't stop myself. At some point, I think once I saw the trailer, and you, the, the Millennium Falcon like comes into view for the first time and the camera follows it through a barrel roll and you're just like, oh, <laughs> so I think that was it for me. I was so excited. But yeah, with Michelle, I remember f- being very conflicted about them canceling the extended universe because on one hand, I liked those books. There were a lot of storylines I thought were great, like Mara Jade mm-hmm. was a great character that I was hoping to see. Uh, but at the same time, it was it was also very invigorating because it showed that they were willing to take some significant risks with the franchise in order to give the writers and J.J. Abrams and a new future. That, I think, is playing out with the movie is that, you know, Star Wars is new again. Like, it really is fresh again. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think I missed the most with the prequels. Like, 
whenever the conversation of Star Wars came up, it invariably led to a discourse of discontent and unhappiness and, in some case, downright bitterness and anger towards George Lucas. And we stopped talking about the fantasy of Star Wars and what makes Star Wars great and fun. It was always just a, a bitch session mm-hmm. about the prequels. And with Force Awakens, like, I think I finally can close the, that chapter. Like, the prequels are now, I won't say they're dead to me, but I now have something new to talk about mm-hmm. and wonder about and think about. And that, I think, is the best part. The, the Force has awakened, if you will. Mm-hmm. Just to go back for a second about the extended universe, it's interesting that I've heard some people that were bitter that not only was the extended universe wiped out, but that wasn't acknowledged in the least in the new movies. I don't know. I didn't really read them to a great extent. There was a long period of time when there were no Star Wars books. I used to read a ton of books in high school, and I read a bunch of Star Trek novels because they had a million of those. But for some reason, they made a whole bunch of Star Wars merchandise, but they didn't do a lot of books. They only had the three novelization books and Splinter of the Mind's Eye. That was it for the longest time. And then, for whatever reason, suddenly along comes the Timothy Zahn series. You know, a lot of people love it. And I, I did not like it. It was great to, like, read new stories with the characters and whatnot. But I had sort of had that experience with uh, the Marvel comic books. They had, they had some pretty darn good stories in the Marvel comic book series. So it wasn't like I hadn't had other good stories with these characters that I knew. And then from there, once they did the, the Zahn series, then they just took off and did so many more. And uh, I never really got too into those. So I don't fully know all the width and breadth of, of the expanded universe. It's so big. Right. And there were some real duds in there. Yeah. Like, I, I enjoyed reading the books because it's Star Wars. And on honesty, anything that has the Star Wars name on it, like, I kind of like. Yeah. But, 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 for, some... <laughs> yeah. but for the people that were really angry that was the new movie just flushed that all away, um, sorry. But, you know, that's, that's the way it is. It's, uh, I don't know what to tell those people. It's, uh, 90% of the, the public has no idea who even Mara Jade is. And I, even I knew who that is, and I didn't read some of those stories. But, you know, would I like to see that character? I think that's really cool. But, yeah, like you're saying, Bernie, they, they had to restart. They had to, like, start, start over. I remember hearing a rumor. I don't remember where I had read this or heard it, um, but it, I think it, it related to an interview George Lucas gave, where he gave hints as to what the arc of the of the nine episodes would be. And this was before the prequels had been uh, created. And so he kind of talked about his vision for the franchise and talked about how seven, eight, and nine would somehow take place thousands of years into the future. It would be a huge departure from uh, the movies we had previously seen. And so there was something actually very interesting about that. Like, and again, this is wild conjecture at this point, because I don't even, I don't even have, I can't cite a source, but I remember him saying he really liked episodes one, two, and three in his mind, but he didn't have the budget to produce it because he had a really big vision for it. And he also really liked 7, 8, and 9 because it was political melodrama. It was not really as so much science fiction as it was um, um, political intrigue. But he didn't think that would make a good movie. Um, and so he kind of settled on episode 4. 
And that, that was the context I remember. So I, I like that idea of where 7, 8, and 9 were, were supposed to go in the George Lucas world. And the part of me was a little disappointed that that vision may never um, be realized. But at the same time, J.J. Abrams did something which I think all the fans really liked, which is revisiting all the characters that we've missed and that we love just like those books, like getting a chance to kind of be with Han Solo and Chewie, like, and Luke and Leia and everyone, like, that's just, God, I love it. I feel like a kid again. Yeah, yeah I don't, George Lucas and his statements about what he envisioned the series to be, either nine episodes or 12 episodes, that's shifted and changed so much, and there's so many different contrasting narratives about what that is. I don't fully believe him about what he says. It was supposed to be, it changed many times, and... uh I don't know. When the prequels were coming out, I did hope that they were going to do something in the reverse of what you just said, which is that I hoped that the prequels would have been a thousand years in, in the past, where they would have been Knights of the Old Republic way, mm. way back. And I don't want to, because I didn't want to see young Darth Vader or young whoever, because, well, again, we're treading the same water as we always do when we talk about the prequels. But, um, so yeah, that would have been interesting if they would have gone forward in time a little bit, I guess, to uh, do the the new movies, but we ended up with this. So what we're going to actually do is we've somewhat talked about how we were looking forward to the film and we're actually going to break this into a couple episodes. So this first episode was just that. And we're next going to get into our first looks at the new movie and then our impressions of it. And, and then depending on how long that goes, the next episode after that might be speculation and, and really deep analysis. So that's going to be it for this particular episode. Remind people to call the, the phone number and, and leave voicemails and um, give people a topic. Yeah, I think we should uh, have people chime in. It's been so long. And, and you know, again, we, there's many ways now for people to get, be in touch with us. And you know, in the olden days, people didn't have as many uh, iPhones or whatever when we were doing the Galactica Quorum podcast way back when, and it was harder to uh, maybe just send something or whatever. Now you can just like record something on your phone, send it as a as a little message or whatever, and it's you know you don't even have to send it to a voicemail anymore. So, do you realize that was almost ten years ago that we started that? <sighs> yes, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> Michelle, shut up, shut up. Uh, yep, yep, yep. So uh, just one more time, I'll give out the uh, info, the digits for that are. Phone number, if you do want to do it the old school way, is uh, 301-358-5175. Our email is gquorum at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. And I guess I wouldn't say go to our website because the website's really uh, – it's like the Battlestar Galactica. It's a, it's a museum piece. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it really is. It's, it's running on very old uh, WordPress software. Please don't hack it. Um, and, um, yeah, so you're getting hacked right now. Yeah. It's probably been hacked. I haven't even looked at it. It it could be advertising something illicit right now. I don't know, (laughs) but yeah. So thank you, uh, for joining us again. This has been fun. I I feel like it's like, uh, slipping on a pair of old shoes and they're nice and comfy and I want to go on a long walk with them. Aww. Yeah. So well, thanks for getting the band back together. Yeah. Well, and we will uh, again be back next time with more in-depth analysis and review of some Star Wars movie that just came out. So cue the music. Cue the music. So uh, what is our closing tagline again, Michelle? Do you remember? I don't. So say we all. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, something like that. Uh, it used to be uh, the jump clock is running. Yes, that's it. That's it. <laughs> jump clock is running. Thank you, Byrne. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. We'll Thank you. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you next time. Next time on the Geek Quorum. You're on Xbox. That means I can't friend you because I'm on PlayStation. Right. That's stupid. I know. It really is stupid. Because I so want Battlefront partners. And if I'm on PC, I can't play you guys, right? Probably not. What a travesty. It's good. It's so good.